It's hard to hear the truth with so many people talking. Join your host as he engages in unfettered conversation with folks sharing their perspective on how businesses, political policies, technology, and world events impact their families and communities. If you want to turn your thoughts into actions, listen to the Brother of Light, dropping wisdom in your left ear and knowledge in your right. Well, folks, thanks for joining us for uh, another episode of Folks Unfettered. And uh, today we are thrilled to have as our guest, Quentin Spaulding. He's a quality engineer at the Lockheed Martin Center for about a year. And I, I want to share with you real quick, as I do his introduction, what a personal relationship Quentin and I have. We've been friends now for quite a bit of time. And Quentin has gone on to work for not only Lockheed Martin, but IEC Group, senior quality engineer there at the Honda program. He was a quality engineer for commercial vehicles at NAFTA, Region, Grammarie, a few other organizations that have allowed him to bring his brand to leadership and impact those people that are around him. And Quintman is, in part of our series, The Alchemy of Leadership, Quintman is, uh, he and I had a conversation. He called me about our last episode and we got to talking. And I wanted to bring that conversation to the show because of some things that Quintman had reminded me of in, in our friendship <coughs> and also how he and I have grown over these last several years. So give a warm welcome, perk up your ears as you have a conversation about resiliency, tenacity, about just strength of character from um, my friend who has blessed me to be guest on the Folks Unfettered podcast and to participate in the Alchemy of Leadership series, Quintman Spaulding. Quintman, how are you? My man, my man, what's going on? Not much, man. Nothing much. <laughs> it's really good to talk to you, man. I tell, uh, I know I did a little introduction there, but in your own words, to share your share your journey, your story, who's equipment, why are you here, how'd you get here, what are you doing, and what do you I, hope uh, to, you know what do you hope to share with with the listeners? Well, you know what, man, uh, you know my journey is kind of the same as most most people. Uh, you know, we got grew up in the country. I'm from Tennessee, from Winchester, Tennessee, which is about seventy five miles south of Nashville. Um, and I'm talking, I'm back in. We back in the sticks, bro. You know what I'm saying? With cows and chickens and all that stuff. But, you know, I was afforded an opportunity growing up to have people in my neighborhood that were athletes that when I went out to play, you know, it was older guys. And when we were playing football, you know, it wasn't any, you know, uh, lack of or touch on me. You know, they, these guys were tackling. So, and so when I got a little older, man, and started playing competitive sports, and uh, it got it was real easy for me because I was used to playing with older guys, mm -hmm. and so that led to you know a, a high school career uh, to where you know, I was just uh, inducted into the, our Hall of Fame in the high school. Um, it led to high, it led to college, you know, where I went to the University of Memphis and played football and baseball and. Got to play with NFL Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce, you know what I'm saying, in, in college. Um, but it, it was there that I really started honing in on what it meant to be a leader. You know, mm -hmm. high school, yeah, I was, a, I was a team captain, but I didn't really know. You know, I was 16, 17 years old. But when I got to college, I, 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 it really started hitting me. This is what guys that want to get to the next level, this is what they do. Mm -hmm. They don't talk about it, they'll be about it. So... I moved forward into that to say, you know, when I moved to Dallas and I started going to the cigar shop and I met you for the first time, um, you know, like we were talking about, you know, I listened and, and I watched 
you know, how you carried yourself and, and how you talked and how you interacted with people. And I was like, you know what? That's a dude I can follow right there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, we hooked up and, you know, we started talking and, and you started mentoring me. And you had a very profound effect on me because when a young black man sees another black man, you know, doing well, mm-hmm. talking well, is is engaging, you know, and regardless of who he's talking to, you know, mm-hmm. and, and regardless of what color they are, mm-hmm. he's engaged in the conversation. He's intelligent. That kind of, you know, uh, uh, character, when I saw it, you know, just was like, uh, hey, that's what I want to aspire to be like. Mm-hmm. Let me see what this brother's about. So we talked, you know what I'm saying, and you – let me in on, you know, what you were doing and how you were living and, you know, the things that you had going on. And I'm like, man, I, I've been slacking. I need to, I need to, you know, jump on this brother's coattails, and, <laughs> but I didn't have to. Right. You grabbed me and pulled me with you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's been guys like you, like my uncle Tony, mm-hmm. my uncle Tracy, mm-hmm. my cousin Bunky, you know, I didn't have to ask them. They just mm-hmm. grabbed me and pulled me mm-hmm. because that's what leaders do. Leaders see potential in other people and be like, hey, let me show you how to do this. Mm-hmm. Or let me give you some knowledge on this. And so that's where I do now in my everyday life. You know, uh, being an engineer at Lockheed um, has afforded me a lot of things. And it's, and it's put me in a position to where, you know, I can reach back and say, hey, I know you're in college. You're doing a little engineer. Have you ever thought about Lockheed Martin? You have let me tell you about it and tell you what we got. You know what I'm saying? Move you into that the right direction. Or just, you know, and anybody, you know, hey, right. uh, right. you know, trying to trying to help them out. It it doesn't have to be with Lockheed. It's mm-hmm. just helping somebody succeed. And it's just the same with my kids. You know, I want them to succeed and I want them to see, especially my two daughters. Mm-hmm. I can't raise them to be women, but I can raise them to show how a man's supposed to treat a woman. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so my son, I showed him the same thing. Matter of fact, we were just in Walmart. You know, and we walked past a little girl. I was like, my gosh, she's cute. You know, he's he's kind of shy, but he's getting there. He's only 12. Right, so he's going right. to get there. But at least he knows that his dad is there mm-hmm. to show him and to lead him. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what, you know, and even though, you know, we, we're not that far in age, you know, far apart in age. So, right, right. you know, you, 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 you were bringing me along like a little brother. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, and, so, and, and I appreciate that. Let me let me just uh, let me just share. You know, and this is really nice to hear. But you made it easy because, I, and I think it's one of the things that's so attractive about you as a human being is how humble you are, right? Like, right. You know, when I look at your story, and I remember, <laughs> I remember when you and I, it's one of my most vivid memories when you and I were sitting outside cigar shop in Addison. And we were, you know, I remember it was dark. You remember that? And we were sitting there and we were just talking about life. I mean, just the good, the bad. What does it mean to be, you know, a black man in America? How do we do right. for ourselves and our family? And, you know, and, 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 and we just started sharing, at least I thought, I didn't really think I was mentoring. I was just sharing, you know, my good and my bad, right? Yeah. And, and, and so when I heard, and I've watched you over the years. That was back in what, two thousand and eight, nine, somewhere. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. And I remember when you had expressed to me that you had had a, you had, you were in the NFL. You don't talk about that, right? But you were in the NFL. You played for, who was the Chiefs? I think is that right? Yeah, yeah. And then you had an injury, yeah. and then how you were resilient, and you bounced back from that, and then you went to the University of Memphis, and. You know, just your your poise and the way that you carried yourself. You were a man on a mission, and it's easy to sit and maybe give me accolades. But really, I, what we miss sometimes, especially when we talk about the alchemy of leadership, is when you identify your replacement, because that's what leadership is. And so, where you believe you, what you received from me, I've received from you all these years by watching you and how your career has evolved. I've known what kind of man, I remember we were talking about your, your children and you know, and I think that um, black men get a really bad rap, right? When people try to control the narrative and how we engage our family and the people around us. It's almost right. like dehumanized. 
they don't see those moments when you and I were sitting outside in, in Addison, Texas, one late summer night, or probably was in the morning, you know, having the conversation about how to be better men and how to have stronger relationships and how to manage the success and failures in life and how do we collaborate together. You made it very easy. So I want to just, you know, share with the audience that, you know, this is a collaborative team effort between you and I and 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 that it was as much as you say that I'm mentoring you and pulling you along, you've done the same for me too, Quentin. And I want to say that. I know that, listen, some listeners are going to be like, oh, it's a whole big love fest. And, you know, and it's just a couple of guys <laughs> are sitting there having this conversation. But, you know, when we, but that's what organizational relationships should be about. It should be about creating, right? It should be about creating and fostering a culture to where you're comfortable to have these conversations because how else is the organization going to be healthy if we're not addressing the very things that you and I talked about, right? And you and exactly. I are little guys. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not, you know, we're both, you know, in the South with certain values. And, and yet here we are, you know, you're, you know, you're not a small, you're not a small cat. What position did you play? You played a, <laughs> a strong section running back. Right, right, right. And yeah. I'm like 6'1", 230. And so here we are sitting outside having conversations that most people wouldn't expect to, to black men to be having with nobody around. And so, right. you know. We, yes, why, yes, we are sharing our friendship and your story specifically as it relates to the series Alchemy of Leadership. That really is what leadership is about, right? Exactly, um, exactly. These types of conversations. So uh, what was your most impactful between the time you and I met? What, how did you get to Lockheed Martin? Share with the audience your your pathway there and in your own words. Oh man, it was, you know, I've been trying to get on the Lockheed for years and I just never could get a foot in the door. Um, so I actually went on LinkedIn and just started sending out requests, those uh, connection requests to everybody that I could find that worked at Lockheed Martin. And finally it got into the hands of the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he sent me a, uh, a message and asked me if I'd ever considered working for Lockheed. And I was told about the man I've been trying to get on for years. And he said, let me make a few phone calls. And a couple of days later, I got a call from the hiring manager. Um, well, actually I got a call from Orlando first uh, to set it up, uh, the interview. And I was thinking, man, who's calling me from Orlando? And I answered the phone and says, uh, this is such and such from Lockheed Martin. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to Orlando. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and so I said, you know, she told me about the interview. And I was like, good. So I've been trying to get with Lockheed. I, I would love to be in Orlando. She's like, no, this job is in Camden, Arkansas. I was like, where's Camden, Arkansas? You know, so, and that, you know, it really, I wanted to know where Camden was, but it really didn't matter mm-hmm. because now I feel like I got my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did one phone interview and this is during the time of COVID. COVID had just mm-hmm. hit, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, I did my first phone interview uh, they set up a second phone interview, and uh, I was working at IEC at the time. And so at the time, I was on lunch when I did the interview. And by the time I got off of lunch and went back to my desk at IEC, they called me back and said, hey, um, we don't believe in wasting time, wasting anybody's you know time. We want to go ahead and offer you the position. Wow. And I was like, man, <laughs> I wasn't expecting it that fast. So it happened that quick. And, uh, but it was a blessing, you know, because, you know, I learned a lot uh, at IAC and being, you know, over Honda North America because IAC gave me a chance to really show what I could do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so did Grammar. Grammar did afford me the same abilities. But, you know, with Lockheed, um, Lockheed, and now, because now I just, I just accepted a two year assignment in Saudi Arabia. Um, awesome. I actually, I accepted it yesterday That's morning. Awesome. I know we talked so. about that. Congratulations, yeah. man. Thank, thank you. Thank That's you. That's so awesome. Yeah. So, but yeah, and so like I said, I mean, I, I it, it was just the learning process, man, and just going through it and being staying humble, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, learning. Uh, I had a, a great mentor, you know, from Grammar and IEC. He mm-hmm. actually he brought me to IEC. His name was Purdell Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy, man. The, you know, salt of the earth, my dude. And uh, he's another one of those brothers, man, that can call on like you, you know, just call on and go, hey, man, I, I need some advice. And the thing is, and like you said, you said I made it easy. The thing is, I can take constructive criticism. Right. 
because you know guys like you they can say hey cute you're doing this wrong man this mm-hmm. is not how you're supposed to do this but then you should turn around and show me how to do it mm-hmm. you know you just don't leave it out there like oh, i right. did this wrong now what you know right. so that that was my path man learning from my mistakes mm-hmm. uh somebody showing me how to correct them mm-hmm. and that's how i did it man that's how i've you know been here i've been here a year now at lockheed which was tuesday and i've already been promoted up you know to a senior engineer and going to Saudi Arabia in a couple of months. That's so awesome. So can you explain, right, you said senior engineer. So just give a, a description of what it is that you do exactly. Um, explain that to the audience in, in, in what you do, because your, your background is impressive. It, it's, it's interesting. Um, so just explain that to the, explain to the audience. What did, what, what's a quality engineer do with Lockheed Martin and how long you've been doing it? And, uh, and then I'll ask you a follow-up question on that. Well, I, I'm actually I, the, the division I work for is missiles and fire controls. Um, now, because of security, I don't know how much I can tell mm-hmm. um, about exactly what we do. Um, but I, I, I forgot it that, was Lockheed Martin. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> right? You that's all right, but as much as so, you can. That's right. I forgot yeah. that clearance too. That's right. Uh, so actually, like, so doing the build application, if mm-hmm. there's an issue with parts um that we've gotten in from suppliers they'll call me to come troubleshoot the issue um define the root cause uh get with the supplier to work on corrective actions and countermeasures um and then present that to uh the team uh the whole uh program team so that allows me the opportunity to see the issue, define the issue, get with the team to see if they see the exact same thing I'm seeing. If not, let's look at see what else we got. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a team effort. It's not just me. It is definitely a team effort. Because um, then I have to get with uh, my inspectors um, and say, hey, what do we have in our warehouse mm-hmm. that's the exact same part that we need to go and look at? Mm-hmm. you know, And then we'll take care of that part and make sure that we – stop the the flow of non-conforming parts mm-hmm. from getting to the line mm-hmm. and then we contact the supplier and let them know hey this is what we found uh we want to get y'all some take on it here's some pictures and videos or whatever mm-hmm. and you know we collaborate together to make sure we get the right countermeasure and corrective access in place mm-hmm. you know and then once we got once we're all on the same page I present that to the team mm-hmm. and say this was the counter this was the root cause of the issue mm-hmm. Uh, we wow. stopped the flow of non-conforming parts. Here's the countermeasures. Uh, short-term, here's the long-term countermeasures. Mm-hmm. Problem closed. What do y'all think? <laughs> you know, that's pretty much it. Right. You know, so Ooh. when I go to Saudi, mm-hmm. it's going to be, I'm running the whole thing because it's not a whole lot of people over there. We're building the, the uh, program from the ground up. So. Wow. And you're learning yeah. that. That's phenomenal. Yeah. That's phenomenal. What What's a, what's a common myth about about what you do about your job what's your com- what's a common myth that people don't understand misunderstand uh one the, the most common myth is, is that it's hard mm-hmm. um it's really not because it's only hard if you try to do it all on your own mm-hmm. and you can't do that yeah. because you know you may see something you know wrong on a part and somebody else sees something totally different mm-hmm. and you, you know now you guys okay why did you see that and why didn't i see that mm-hmm. and you know, bring somebody else in. What do you see? So the, the common myth is, is it, that it's hard, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's really not hard um, because you do. It is a team environment uh, that you have to 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 work with, and so if you work inside the team, the old saying is, and actually, <laughs> this old saying I got from you: work smart, mm-hmm. not hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the biggest misconception right. about being in quality. Right. That's interesting. And, you know, one of the things I'm I'm noticing in the conversation and, and to my listeners, if you're not hearing what Quintman is saying, I mean, if you're not picking up what he's putting down, I notice Quintman, I don't even know if you're saying, it's very, I don't know if you know you're saying that, because I believe you do know this. You keep saying, you keep talking about your team. You keep, You said you can't do it alone. And that's really the hallmark of a impactful leader, right? Is that they were, right. and I'm telling you, I see that skill in you. I, I hear it so clearly because that's where you have 
helped me because I have a tendency to want to do things alone, personally and professionally. And that comes from experiences of, of wanting to, you know, there's that old saying, Quint, that, you know, I call you Q. That's what we, that's what we have. We talk, but right. um, that it, you can't help everyone. Right. And so right. the hallmark of a leader is to discern, is to discern between those that are transparent and sincere in wanting to ally themselves with you or those who have nefarious intent, right? And leaders make mistakes when it comes to making those decisions, but it's the ability to bounce back and keep doing what it is that we do. And what I hear from you clearly is, man, Lockheed Martin is so fortunate to have you. I understand now why they're sending you to Saudi Arabia to bring that up. I, I mean, we've talked at, you know, ad nauseum about your work ethic. And this leads me to the question, what do you believe it was about you that when Lockheed Martin approached you to assume the mantle, a leadership role in preparation to become a leader, what do you believe it was about you that they saw? Maybe they communicated that, or maybe there's someone that saw in you what I saw in you and decided to work alongside you to help develop you as a leader. What, what, what was right. that? What was that moment? Um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's several different things. Um, one, um, you know, my voice is just is deep. It, it's, it's big. It carries. So, I don't try to, you know, when I'm in a meeting and when we, I mean, we have meetings a lot uh, every day. And so we have a lot of executives in. And then, so when it comes to appointing the meetings where people have to ask me questions about certain things uh, in the program, you know, and I speak up, I try to speak, you know, clearly, let's try to speak, you know, precisely. But that has, I've heard, you know, from top managers to, you know, talking about how, um, just his voice alone makes him seem like he knows what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had managers come to me and we're like, Hey, what do you think about this? And I can come up with something, you know? And I think it's just the way I interact with people. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't try to be overbearing. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm not a small dude. So you know, I don't want to project, you know, any bad in image. Mm -hmm. So when people come to me, especially executives and, and managers, you know, I can show them that, yeah, I know what I'm talking about, uh, but I don't know everything. Um, and I can, you know, speak on certain things, but I can speak in a, ma in a manner of where well, uh, the word I'm looking for, you know, it's not necessarily I'm speaking as a manager or as an executive, but mm -hmm. I can, you know, get out my point mm -hmm. at that level. You know, and and that's one of the things that when we talked about this job in Saudi is I'm going to be doing a lot of presentation, mm -hmm. you know, what I'm saying to another group of people that are not Americans. So and I, I try to project confidence, you know, um, try to stand upright. I try to move around like I'm now I'm moving around because I, th I think better when I'm moving. Um I do a lot of hand gestures, but I know over there I can't do a lot of hand gestures because it may come off, you know, a certain way. Right. But, you know, just the fact that, you know, they've given me tasks and I've completed them. Mm -hmm. um, they, I got one task that they didn't think I could complete and they just want to see how I did. And I didn't complete it, mm -hmm. but I got to the point to where they thought that I wasn't going to get to. You know, so and it was just a test. It wasn't trying to show me up or anything like that. It was a test. And that's how I looked at it. So mm -hmm. when they asked me about it, that's what I told them. I thought this was a test mm -hmm. and I tried to do the best I could do. I tried to get others involved to help me out to see what they thought. And this is where we're at. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it was just that they it was just a point to where other people had talked about me and the things that I have done since I've been at Lockheed how quickly I pick things up, mm -hmm. um, the material and just, 
you know, and that was it. And and so I try to project it every day. I wake up every day, you know, body's hurting. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be better today. Right. I'm, I'm going to be better than I was yesterday. Right. And that's my only goal. My only goal in life is to be better than I was the day before. Right. And where does that come from? Because you've always been competitive. So where yeah. does that drive come from? Is that something you learned from your parents? Was it got it from your grandparents? Is it just sort of inherent? And is there a program within your organization that continually fosters that attitude of yours from a developmental standpoint? You know what I mean? Right, right. Actually, that, that comes, you know, that's a family thing. Mm-hmm. You know, my family is, you know, always been competitive um, as far as sports. Uh, my grandfather uh, instilled that in me. You know, we would, mm-hmm. even when we went fishing, we were competing on fishing. Mm-hmm. But it was, and you know, the older I got, the more I started learning. It's not about the fishing. Right. He's teaching me something. Right. And so, uh, but as far as Lockheed, man, Lockheed does, they have, a ton of mentoring programs. Mm-hmm. They have a ton of leadership programs, um, diversity programs. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the thing uh, that has really fueled me since I've been at, at Lockheed, man, mm-hmm. the amount of leadership and diversity that this company has mm-hmm. is mind blowing. I was like, I still see, you know, a lot of executives and, and VPs and I'm like, wow, really? Mm-hmm. And so that inspires me because I know I can reach out to them and, and ask questions mm-hmm. and they're going to, you know, they, and they'll respond. Um, everybody that I've met um, so far there has been great. My mm-hmm. team is great. I got a great meal you know, boss. And how many people actually say that, you know, my, right. my bosses, Awesome, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can go to that dude and talk to him. And yeah, what makes him know, awesome? I, w- I want to know. I mean, what in, in your estimation is, as a as as a human being and as a leader, what makes? I want to really flush that out because this is the Alchemy of Leadership series. So, and it's important, right, that leaders hear this. But what, right. what what is it about this person? What values are they communicating to you that makes you exclaim, "He's awesome"? He is one of those guys. He's he's not a micromanager for one. Mm-hmm. You know, he lets his team be the team. You know, he lets them grow in, in, in their aspect. But he actually comes to you and talks to you as a person, not mm-hmm. as an employee. Mm-hmm. And he'll be the first one to ask, you know, um, you know, w- w- is there anything that, that you can tell me that I may be doing wrong and, you know, or not necessarily wrong, but something that I can do better in my managerial mm-hmm. spot. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, and he'll ask about the family. He'll ask about the kids. And we'll talk about several different things. You know what I'm saying? And he, mm-hmm. like I said, being that person that actually he talks to people as people, mm-hmm. not as employees. Mm-hmm. And that goes so far because guys like that, it's like like a football coach or a basketball coach or whoever. Mm-hmm. When you are, when you have guys like that in front of you, or even when I don't want to just say guys, I don't want to sound you know sexist or whatever. But, but no matter who's in that role, man right. or woman, right. you have somebody in that role that is that type of person that you feel that strong about. Mm-hmm. You will go to war for that person. You know what I'm saying? And so right. my thing is, if at the end of the month when we turn in our reports mm-hmm. and he has to report it out to the government you know, to the DCMA, mm-hmm. if he has nothing to say about, you know, the, my, my suppliers and the parts that I'm on, mm-hmm. I'm good. And that makes him look better. You know what I'm saying? It. And so he goes into those meetings. He'll send, you know, at the end of the month, he'll send out the, uh, the PowerPoint. We have to put our stuff on mm-hmm. it. And he's got very little stuff to report out. So we're making him look good. Mm-hmm. But he's doing us a favor by, Right. making us look good. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And no, so, I get it. I yeah. get it. I think that yeah. really is one of the key leadership traits, right? Is the fact that he is investing his time and his energy in you as a human being to right. personalize the relationship. Right. Because you said something very important, which is I'd go to war for that person. So he is a catalyst for setting an environment within his team and if I hear you, what you're saying correctly, yes. so that you're inspired to do more than just a job and that you and to be more than just a cog in the wheel. And so it sort of frees you up to know that if you're having a, 
I mean, because look, let's be real, right? Personal situations can affect professional performance, right? I mean, you know that exactly. You play professional football, and and so you you you, you we always say your mind's got to be right, right? Um, right. Your situation has to be right. Your home life has to be right, and so and that's there's there's no more group affected by that than people of color and specifically, you know, black men. We're always trying to either not make ourselves small, adding value. You know, you and I have had this conversation before, right? So right. to see that right. you have a leader within the organization, uh, in your division where you are, that takes the time to get to know you is one of the key components that led to, you know, the leader as an alchemist, right? It's a formula that you sort of put together to make this sort of magical thing happen. And it seems like you have a gentleman. And just and just for the sake of his encouragement, if, if, if you're allowed to, you know, identify who he is. Let's identify those people out there that are doing good work. If you want to say who he is, that's fine. Uh, if you can't, that's fine too. Yeah, and I don't know if I can. Okay, um, okay, the then, then we won't. Uh, yeah, just, I, I mean, right. you know, he, he, I'll definitely let him know, you know, about this when I go back to work. So, yeah. so we'll just I, call I, him Fred. How about that? We'll just <laughs> right, say, right. right. We'll just call him Fred. We'll just call him Fred yeah. at that point. So that Fred yeah. really had an impact so, on you because that is true. Yeah. I know that, you know, uh, when I worked a defense contractor in DC and he had this conversation and I had a clearance, there's a lot you couldn't say. And so thanks yeah. for sharing what, what you could share about that story. And it really is inspirational to hear that an organization like, you know, Lockheed Martin is really, um, taking the time to have those types of programs. And and, and also, uh, Q, I know you and I have talked about this, and I know over the years, I think we've seen it grow and grow, this grow and grow, right, into what it is now, which is diversity and inclusion, right? You remember we were sitting there in, in Addison, and we are having that, Addison, Texas, and we are having that conversation about some of the challenges we faced as, as black men trying to, you know, one, be human, and two, make an impact within organizations, right? Um, right. And trying to avoid those narratives that would have organizations look at us as sort of less than. Do you feel that the diversity and inclusion initiatives have been positive in your career, or have they, have they made you more comfortable? Because I know for me, when I was at you know, Merrill Lynch and a few other firms, and even when I owned my own company and had people working for me, there was a, a certain level of discomfort that surprised me once somebody figured out that I was, you know, the senior financial advisor with a team of, you know, six junior brokers, and I happened to be, you know, black, right? right. The whole attitude was shift and change. Uh, when I owned my own company and, and I self-funded it and I'd hand out paychecks to people. And when they figured out that the owner was black, they, the, my employees would talk to me as if, as if I worked for them. <laughs> the non, <laughs> you know, like the non-black employees, right? And I remember when I brought into their franchise, they, I was told, and I, that franchise were named Namely, I was told by senior management that you want to have a white face in front of your organization for you to be able to expand out your target market. And I said, and I, I think, I don't know if you and I talked about this or not. I said, yeah, I'm not doing that. So <laughs> the only way, because I started thinking about the generations after me, and I'm like, there's no way that I bought this company and you're going to tell me that I need to put a white face on it. And right. that is a real life thing even today as we're seeing some of the social stuff that's going on and, 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 and I'll touch and leave on that, but that is a thing that happens, right? That we don't want to address. Yeah. And we want to even take it the other way and go, well, you know, we're just all the same. No, we're not. We're absolutely not. You and I are facing different challenges. So it's a long-winded way of me asking you, do you, because of this attention, the things that you and I talked about sort of in secret while we were sitting outside and asking Texans, you know, and, and, and the challenges as, as black men and not being able to, you know, have people understand, you know, our particular struggle in this country, uh, and without sounding like whiners, because we, we both try to achieve, do you believe right. that the organizations that you've been affiliated with, doesn't have to necessarily be Lockheed Martin, because I don't want to put you on the spot there, do you believe that these initiatives have helped you sort of feel more understood, and then therefore you can be more productive? 
Um, yeah. And, well, I mean, that's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that because, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to say it as a bad thing, but you know, growing up, we, we knew, or we were taught, um, uh, we have to work twice as hard mm-hmm. to get the same thing that, 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 you know, the uh, white guys get. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that stays in your mind. That stays with you a lot, stays mm-hmm. with you a lot. But what you f- end up finding out about yourself is, are you willing to work that hard right. to get that, you know? Right. And so, it, it, and, and it shows, you know, I mean, I can't, you know, I can't speak for everybody mm-hmm. um, and I can't speak for every industry. Mm-hmm. And I know there's been those times. I mean, I've had those times at, at certain companies that I knew I was passed over for a promotion that I was better equipped for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I let that fuel me. I didn't harp on it. I didn't, uh, uh, you know, complain about it. I let it fuel me. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, let me work a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. You know, I was passed over once. I'll, I'll let that slide. Pass me over twice. You know, yeah, it's time to say goodbye. Right, but, right. Uh, but I let that fuel me. And so, so when I left one company and went to the other one, that work ethic that I had gotten uh, because of you know trying to impress people, I carried it to the next one. So now, now it's become you know a habit. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just what I do now. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so now that I'm excellent. at Lockheed, right? Just yeah. commitment to excellence, right? You just you want to be the best of what it is you want to do. You don't want to be, you know, treated more harshly because you've made mistakes or you don't want to be discounted because, you know, the attitude is just going to get over it. You're just kind of like, if I'm willing, just, you know, I said this, and you and I talked about this, uh, if you recall, uh, I don't care. Just get out of my way. Do not try to intentionally stop me from having opportunities. Allow me to use my gifts and talents for the betterment of the organization. Don't hinder me because I'm black and you have your own um, uh, limited view of what you think I can and cannot do because everything is possible to me and for me. Um, And I think that some of the service I know in my career that I've done is not to express that challenge until I had reached a senior level within the organization. And now I'm a lot more vocal about it. I'm like, listen, I have worked very hard, either get there earlier than everybody else and leave later, just to receive less, and that's not okay with me, right? Right. And and I would begin to express, this is not okay with me. And if that means that I get blackballed from an industry, I'm okay with that. I'm in good company, right? Right. Um, right. You know, the Nelson, Nelson Mandela's, the Marcus Garvey's, you know, the Gandhi's, you know, you keep, and I'm not saying that's who I am, but I'm just saying that those people took it upon themselves to take a holistic approach in order to solicit change. And there's a, but my internal fire is one of excellence. Mm -hmm. Don't put me in a position, you know, because you're trying to fill a quota. Don't talk about diversity. If you don't mean it, don't market diversity to me. If you don't mean it, just let me be the best that I can be provide me the tools and resources available to do it, right? Right. And then embrace my creativity in the way that I do things because the organization could benefit. Don't try to put me in a box. And so I hear what you're saying when it comes to that. And I know that, that uh, I, I know you share that idea. Um, if, if that's fair. Let me ask you something fun, man. Um, you're going to Saudi Arabia. Is that your first time going? Yes, it is. Are you, what are some of the things that you're concerned about in going to Saudi? Like, like, I'm just, just curious. Like that's an entirely different culture. So man, uh, you the gotta have something. Yeah. The biggest concern I have, man, is making sure, cause like I said, you know, we do a lot of hand gestures and I speak with a lot of hand gestures mm-hmm. and, um, I, I don't want to offend anybody, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. cause I know, I know some Saudi Arabian people here, um, um, and you know, they, they have already said, Hey, you don't want to do this. Like, like one of the biggest things, and, and it, this one floored me because I just found this one out the other day, you know, when we, if somebody's across the room and we want them to come here, we'll, you know, we'll wave them to us. Right. With our palm up. That's an insult over there. You mm-hmm. do it palm down. And I was like, really? 
I'm Irish man. Mm. So, you know, that was like, I have got to get this cultural training, you know, <laughs> because I'm not afraid to go there, right. you know, because, you know, that's, it's right across i'm right across the red sea from egypt so that's our region of people that we you know that's that awesome. our ancestors yeah, so awesome. you know to go there to interact to learn the culture mm-hmm. um the different aspects of, of what they do um I'm gonna come back skinny because I can't eat pork over there. I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm gonna do about bacon. You know what I'm saying? But right, uh, right, right, right. that's a big concern right yeah, there. Not having bacon, packages but... and bacon, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, it's just you know, just the, the, the being there. But my family's not going with me. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll come over during the summertime when the kids mm-hmm. go to school. So, uh, but yeah, the biggest concern, man, is just to make sure that. Uh, I don't offend anybody, you know, because I definitely won't do it on purpose, you know, but, you know, just, you know, you know, accidentally. But, you know, I'm, I've never been that guy that's been in trouble. So, you know, that's not a concern of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother used to tell me, you know, I would make friends with a rattlesnake if it wasn't close enough to bite <laughs> me, you know what I'm saying? So I don't meet strangers, you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, and fitting in, I, I have no problem with the fitting. I just, I'm just more concerned about accidentally offending mm-hmm. another culture. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But I'm definitely gonna be, you know, all into the the culture training, the language training, mm-hmm. to learn as much as I can because they have a lot of holidays that I just found out, and so I want to be, I want to be respectful, right. you know, of that country's traditions. You right. know what I'm saying? Wow, so. man! I hope you don't come back not eating pork anymore. Because uh, actually, I hope you do come back not eating pork. Because that's more bacon for me. So, uh, right. but, you know, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I do listen. His brother does like his bacon. But yes, uh, sir. What? Uh, what I mean, and I'm going to ask you this too. So it's just kind of just fun and what you know, it's kind of fun and in, 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 uh, uh, just to get to know you a little bit better for our audience. Uh, what's one of your pet peeves? What's one thing that drives you nuts? Going to bed with a sink full of dishes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, oh my god, man, that would I would if I you know I'll try to go to bed. Oh boy, you know, and and, and I'm a I'm a Scooby Doo fan, right. you know, to my heart. So right. you know, we have I have I have a Scooby Doo channel. Well, actually, I got three that runs 24 hours a day. So when I go to bed, I'll put Scooby-Doo on. It helps me sleep. But if I'm laying there mm-hmm. and I'm like, it'll drive me nuts to know that the sink still has dishes in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, ah, and then I have to get up and go. You know, it's like, yeah. oh. Okay, Q, you're going to have to explain that Scooby-Doo fan. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're gonna have to, this is new information to me. So Man, you know, hey. what is this? What is up? I listen, I love Scooby-Doo too. <laughs> I got, what is I got, I got, man, I got Scooby-Doo stuffed animals. I got t-shirts, <laughs> uh, movie. I've seen, I've seen every Scooby-Doo from Scooby-Doo, uh, who are, uh, where are you to guess who to the laugh Olympics to mm-hmm. the new, the new versions of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Mystery incorporated. My son was helping me with that one. Oh, wow. Uh, cause I haven't got him into it now too. So, mm-hmm. but man, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just, it's old school cartoon, you know what I'm saying? And right. I love it. It, just, it keeps getting great. I've seen, I've seen them a million times and I still watch them like it's the first time. Wow. You know? wow. So yeah, I, I love me some Scooby-Doo, man. Yeah, and man. plus, you know, being, I'm, yeah, I just turned 48 and it keeps me grounded. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't try to be too serious. It keeps right. me, right. you know, at that, at that level. Right. That's true. So, right. So you just turned 48. Happy belated birthday, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. What one? What is one piece of advice that you'd give to someone? Let's say that you are sitting down with a young Q and they're having a conversation like the one you and I had. Because I know I'm pretty sure you do that. What piece of advice would you give someone at uh, that wanted to sit down with you, start out either start out their career or their personal life or a relationship? What piece of advice would you get? Do you have for that? Well, I ain't gonna say the one that I want to say, but. 
<laughs> you can say what you want to say. <laughs> no, you remember that night, that night we went to the Sting, but you know. Oh anyway, yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. That. <laughs> no, but I would tell you, some no, things do not belong on air. <laughs> hey, so no, I, I, if I if I was sitting down, with you know, myself, I thought about that. Um, that's true. Yeah, yeah no, that's that was a fun night. But fun. you know, I, I, if I was sitting down with myself, or even with my son, my son just walked into the room. He's sitting mm-hmm. down beside me now. Mm-hmm. You know. And the the best advice that I would give, or I ain't even gonna say the best, but one of the pieces of advice I would give is, do not be afraid to fail, mm-hmm. because that's the only way you mm-hmm. learn. Mm-hmm. Ask questions, mm-hmm. find somebody that you know. If you want to be an NBA basketball player, mm-hmm. don't go ask somebody that never played basketball. Right. No. If you want to be a millionaire. You can't go ask somebody that's that, that's never worked a job in their life, mm-hmm. you know. So that would be my thing, you know. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to ask questions, especially to people that if you know you don't have to be you don't have to be just like that person. But if right. you want to be in that same arena, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. Ask those questions. If I wanted to be if I wanted to be in the financial arena, I got you to ask. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I do this? What do I do? What do I look for? What don't I do? Mm-hmm. You know, my uncles are both attorneys. Um, you know, if I wanted to be an attorney, that's who I would ask. Right. So, you know, you can't be afraid to ask questions. That's, that's the biggest thing that, that I've been. I tried to instill that in my son now. Right. Don't be afraid to ask. Isn't that know? interesting? Because that is all about Scooby-Doo. It's just all about asking questions, right? Seeking to understand. Like asking questions. And testing for understanding. That is, that's incredible, man. That's. You know, and I, I think I think you hit the I think you hit the nail on the head there as far as um, not being afraid to ask questions and and, and really being curious about um, who you are and who you want to be. It's awesome. Right. Um, I'm gonna ask you as we as we get to close, name three books that you recommend to my audience and and why you recommend those books. Um, three books. I'm a big John Grissom fan. Uh, when it comes to books, but I tell you, lately I have been reading Common Sense by mm. Thomas Paine, mm. and it's taking me a little longer to read that book because of the language barrier and how he wrote it. Mm-hmm. But oh my God, he is man, he is talking in that book, bro. Really? Um, he there was one section. In it, but he was talking about slavery, mm-hmm. and oh man, it was he. It was so profound how it disgusted him, and how uh, he just talked about people that were doing slavery and how they should get rid of it, and how can you, how can we say, uh, oh, how can America say that all men are created equal when we are treating people like cattle? Wow. Yeah, it was wow. yeah, it was okay. so deep. Yeah, that was deep. Um, mm. Another book that uh, I read, I can't remember the name of it. Um, oh man, it's about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy's from Tulsa. Uh, it's a pastor from Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was a long time ago when I read it. Right. Um, but he was his his thing was, you know, he, he, one one of his sections was if you're gonna do dirt, you're gonna get dirt. Right. You know. Right. And I was like, man, that's deep. You know, he's he's because he was like, if you if you a uh, man, and you think about some of the things that you have done in your past and some of the things you may still be doing, mm-hmm. how would you feel if your woman was doing that to you? Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So right. I was like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what now, you know, my, my, you know, she's downstairs right now watching TV because I'm all, I'm off every Friday. We don't mm-hmm. work on Fridays at Lucky, but at night she don't have to call around looking for me. Mm-hmm. She knows I'm outside mm-hmm. in the garage or in the, in the driveway smoking mm-hmm. a cigar. You know, mm-hmm. I'm here with the kids, you know, mm-hmm. that's yeah. So that, 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 yeah, I don't want that thought in my mind. You know, who is she out with? Now right. you know, we don't think her like that with each right. other. So, um, but like I said, I am a big John Grissom fan, and so I've read all his books. But uh, I have all I have the Left Behind series of books. Um, 
Uh, James, I have a lot of James Patterson books. Uh, so I love that espionage thing with, yeah. you know, with James Patterson yeah, and stuff he cool. does. Uh, but with John Grissom, John wrote a book. I was I was in Memphis for um, uh, the client with uh, Susan Sarandon, and mm-hmm. uh, there I was. That was there in Memphis when they made that one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Firm with Tom Cruise. Right. I right. was there when they made that. Tom came. He actually came to football practice a couple of times and worked out with us. You know, and Tom is back then, you know, he was pretty fast, you know, right, like right. You know, this, this little bitty dude can run, you know, but, <laughs> um, but he wrote a book. Yeah. He wrote a, he wrote one book um, that was called the appeal. Mm. And it was about, you know, the, uh, a small town um, in Mississippi that was awarded, you know, monies from the government or, you know, from, uh, from a, a private company because of some, you know, some waste that was in the right. um, water right. and it affected everybody. So towards the end of the book, the guy that was the president uh, of this company, mm-hmm. his son was hit with a, by a baseball uh, mm-hmm. off of a bat, you know, came right back at a little league kid and then not, you know, it almost killed him. And so it, it damaged it, you know, damaged his brain. But at, it was, it was kind of like, it, I ain't gonna say karma, but it was, this, you know, cause now he, the the same comp his same company defended the bat company years ago saying that this wasn't you know a bad bat mm-hmm. it's not you know because it was it was it, it wasn't uh, intolerance to the way it's supposed to be it wasn't built like it was supposed to be the company went outside the box and built it mm-hmm. and he defended the company and got them tons of money and now that same bat was used by another kid to hit a baseball that damaged his son wow. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it was it was pretty good, man. Yeah. It, was, it was pretty good. You know, as you as you're uh, headed on your way, when are you leaving to go to uh, Saudi Arabia? Still be there for two years? Uh, I don't know yet. Okay. Um, okay. Still waiting. I got I got to file all the documents for my visa mm-hmm. uh, and wait for those to come back, and then um, I got to. In the meantime, I got to update my passport. Right. But um, uh, before that, you know, I'm gonna move the family uh, closer to home and and Huntsville. And, um, <clears throat> but I'm expecting somewhere around, uh, early October okay. before I leave. Okay. Yeah. Good. I want to stay connected with you. Um, uh, um, and just, uh, you know, keep me updated on your journey. Um, we know one book I'll share with you that I read, I need to reread it too, by the way. Uh, it's called the chimp paradox. It's a mind management program to help you achieve success, confidence, and happiness. Written by uh, Professor Steve Peters. I'm normally not one to plug books of people that uh, I don't know personally, although sometimes I do. But this one had a profound impact on me because it allowed me to sort of address my inner chimp. Right? Pretty interesting when you when you when you read the book, you'll understand. Uh, it's available in Kindle, and I, I'd encourage you to pick that book up, brother, and and really read through it as you go along your journey with Lockheed Martin, and as you go along your journey in, in, in life, you've got, I know you mentioned your son, you've got three children now, is that right? Yes. Four yeah, and three. two girls? Yeah. So you've really yep. grown. I know that was a concern of yours, is, man, I'm going to Saudi for two years, my family's not able to come with me. But you know what, Quentin, you are, you've got the values and the qualities, personally, that I've known since, man, over a decade. It's always been impressive to me and encouraging. Thank you, man. And I really wanted to have you on an episode of the Alchemy Leadership because sometimes it's not always what we do publicly that, that where we lead. Sometimes it's those moments that you and I have privately to where right. we sort of lead each other through how to be better teammates, how to be better men, how to be better fathers, and, and just how to yeah. be better citizens, right? And how to be right. resilient and overcome our challenges that we have to to offer our gifts and talents to everyone. And man, you have had you've done so much in your life by, at the age of forty eight. Impressive, really one of smart, smart, smart cats. So I'm going to ask you one final question, which is, what's one question you wish I'd asked you, and how would you have answered? Mm. Um, that's a good one. <laughs> it is. You, well, you know what, and, and you know, in today's time. Uh, even though it's 2022, we're still having to uh, defend our color. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, my son, as a matter of fact, my son asked me about this the other night mm-hmm. um, when I finally made the decision that I was going to go to Saudi. We were sitting on the couch and 
just all of a sudden he said, are we considered a threat over there? Wow. He's 12? Was, yeah, 12. Wow. Yeah. And when he said that, I mean, it was, mm. it was like, hmm. And mm. I thought to myself, you know, I told him, I said, you know, we, 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 over there, we're not a threat because it is a country of color. Right. Um, but we, you have to understand, we are not Arabic. So you have to learn how to adapt to their culture. You know, you don't go over there and because you are American thinking that you run everything. Right. So in right. that aspect, as, as far as our color, we are not a threat. Mm -hmm. uh, and I got to tell you, you know, I thought about it more and more. I was like, man, that's a teaching moment because right. of all of the things that we've gone through mm -hmm. as far as, you know, the the shootings of black men mm -hmm. and all this thing. And, and one thing I try to tell him is the one way that we can get rid of uh, racism is when you describe somebody, don't describe them as a white man. Mm -hmm. Don't describe them as a black man. Don't describe them as, describe them as a man. Mm -hmm. You know, right. and I'm trying to get that in, into him because, y you know, having a son um, I, when he gets older and because he's he's a big boy, he, mm -hmm. I mean, he's going to be a lot bigger than me. Um, I don't want him. I don't want somebody to see him as a threat and don't know him, mm -hmm. you know, cause mm -hmm. this is a, he's, he's a very sensitive kid. He's very affectionate. And he's just big. I mean, at 12 years old, the boy was a size 10 shoe already. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah. 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 Wow. I mean, he, he's going to be huge. So right. I want, I'm trying to get in, you know, and this it's hard. Um, mm -hmm. but I'm not doing it alone because there's other men that are around in his life that can show him, um, Use your words, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not your fist. Right. You know, so. Right. Um, but yeah, that that would be that would have been the the question that I was thinking of. How how have I adapted, or how have I overcome these challenges of being uh, a black man in these days? You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And that's mm -hmm. the thing, man. It's just, you know, it, it is it is hard. It is frightening. Um, it really is, to say the least. It really is. Um, yeah. I, you know, walking out the door and my family not know if I'm coming back because mm -hmm. somebody else is having a bad day, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I just happen to be there. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah that's, and that's the thing. Yeah, let's, man, that's a, boy, I could I'll unpack that so much. You know what, Q, that's been a conversation that I've been having with not just black men, but with people in general, right? That we, you know, you never really think about until something goes sideways and, it's interesting how I was sharing this morning that we live in the age of accusation to where an accusation leaves you, can can murder you or, or kill you. Right. Maybe not physically, but definitely socially. And right. it leaves a question mark, right? And it's a challenge because from the time we get up in the morning, and, and I just want to spend a few minutes really rapping with you about this because and the audience needs to know this too because I don't think that we're able to fully grasp what it means to be black in America. And it's interesting because I, you know, I wasn't born here. I was born in Jamaica and then my father immigrated here. And I, we got here young. And it, 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 it's hard to grasp sometimes that from the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed, that there is a challenge just to function as a human being. And I never thought about it for most of my life. I've just gone about being Gene every day. You know, who was just, you know, kissed by the sun. And then you start working in corporate and you start giving those gifts and talents and people sort of talk to you differently in a way that you're kind of like, huh, well, what is that about? Right? Because, you know, right. the race thing is, was not my go-to. And then you engage organizations or you buy a house or you buy a car or you do it. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I see. That, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's almost as if it's, we're having, we're in an abusive relationship with America, right? Right, and right, right. people say, well, you can't condemn the entire country and everyone in it. That's true. But I, I believe that what you're saying, there's a reason why I think, and I was sharing this with someone um, in Plano, you know, in Plano, Texas, there's a reason why when you see two black men come up together and they're friends and we sort of hug each other and give that sort of firm handshake, 
because there's no guarantee that when we leave, right, where we are, that we're going to make it home okay. Exactly. Especially now, right? You know, nothing's changed except they put cameras in your face. But especially now, there's no guarantee that we're going to get in, that we're going to be treated fairly or equally because we haven't been shown that in every area of our life. And so that it would have really been a good question. I'm really glad you you answered it. You said it and answered it the way that you did because as I'm listening to you at 48, be concerned and you're probably praying over your son who's 12 years old that just by him, not only just being a human being, but a young man of color that no one mishandles him or mistreats him or he gets caught up in the systematic and institutional biases that we have in this in this country that we can't dismantle fast enough that that is right. a, a, that that goes to mental health that's stressful right it is it is very right? stressful it, it's one more thing you have to manage am, am i am i sort of expressing what you're saying correctly oh yeah oh yeah yeah, and then, then you know, I, like I said, growing up in the South, man, I've had to deal with it. I mean, my senior year in high school, we had a walkout uh, at the school because our nickname was the Rebels, mm-hmm. and so we had a walkout about that to try to change the name and to get the Rebel flags uh, off of our stadium. Mm-hmm. So those folks in the white sheets showed up. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, wow. yeah, they had to they had to cancel half of their school because they thought, you know, it was about to come to a head. Mm-hmm. I mean, the news media was there, and we're talking, this is, you know, uh, September, mm-hmm. October of mm-hmm. ni- 1991. Wow, you know, we had we were still dealing with this, and it's just mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's that just that old mentality, that old thinking. Mm-hmm. But you you know, you have to understand that you have to learn one of the things I want to say, you, you know, you have to learn what the other people are thinking. Right. You know, this is, this is how they grew up. They don't know any better. They look at us as, as a threat and they don't even know me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I try to tell him, use your words, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, just make mm-hmm. sure, you know, they, people don't have to, to love you. They don't have to like you. Mm-hmm. Just make sure they do right by you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you can't control what other people think, mm-hmm. you know, you can, uh, give them other avenues to think about, but you can't control which one they use. Right. You know, so y'all, you, you know, and I tell my son, you know, you walk with your head up. You don't walk with your head down. Always. You walk with a purpose right. and you walk with confidence, you know, right. and you don't have to be, and like you said, you know, how different people talk to you because they, you know, now they know that you're black or they've seen you or whatever. And because I've had it happen at work before mm-hmm. to where, you know, somebody come up to me, yo, yo, man. You know, I'm like, whoa. Right, right. I, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> right. you know right. We don't even do that to each <laughs> other. Right, <laughs> right, right. I, you know, I've overcome that. You know, right. You know, and I think this is a great place to end this part of our conversation because you have given our audience something to think about, and out of all the questions that we've entertained and asked, that one was the most heartfelt and most impactful because it is what we deal with on a daily basis and it is right. what makes our friendship so important to me and and I want you to know that and my audience to know that I would encourage you to connect with Quentin Spaulding on, on LinkedIn um, follow his story and if you are a young man of, of, of any hue reach out to, to, to Quentin because he's he has a wealth of experience from uh, playing professional football to, to having an injury and having to be resilient from that and from an educational standpoint. Um, whatever questions you may have, you can connect with him there. And you can connect with him through us here at the channel at Folks Unfettered. Leadership is just more than about what we do. It is about who we are, who we aspire right. to be. And I'm going to keep saying this throughout this series, Q, and I'm sharing this with our audience. You can either have a job, a career, or a calling. The first two you choose, and you can change, and you can switch. But a calling that is true. chooses you. You can neither change it 
You sure can't switch it. And it sounds like to me, Hugh, that you have found your calling, and I mean, which incorporates just the job and the career. And that's, after all these years, man, it's so fantastic to really have this platform to be encouraged by you. It's like I told you when we spoke prior to this, the podcast exists because of conversations that I've had with brothers like you, men like you. Right. Those and I moments, sure much appreciate it. Of course. And, you know, I'm stretching and growing as well because our conversations were never meant to be uh, on air, right? I, I, right. I tend to just, you know me, I tend to just be me, right, at the end of the day. But I've been having way too many of these conversations, and I believe to address what you were saying is we have to share these stories because of the misinformation and the misrepresentation of people that look like us. Because I believe as a whole, as a team, to borrow from what you were saying, we lose when we do not focus on those team members and their talents and what they contribute to the team because we're stuck in our own biases. Right. That is true. I just appreciate your time today. Uh, We'll follow up with you before you go off to Saudi Arabia. Keep us, you know, posted, keep me posted on your, on your, on your successes. And uh, folks, you have, you have joined us on um, another exciting episode of folks unfettered. We, as we continue our alchemy leadership series, We've had the pleasure of speaking with Lockheed Martin's quality engineer, Quentin Spaulding, a friend of the channel, my personal friend, a gentleman whose story is constantly evolving and growing. Q, I'd just like to thank you for your time today, and and we'll catch up uh, here shortly. And, of course, you and I will always, always keep trying to drop that wisdom in their left and that knowledge in their right. That's what we do. Exactly, man. That's that's a blessing right there, my brother. It is a blessing. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Hey, man, no problem. Okay.